If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's your daily dose of Donna. Welcome to the show. We have made it to Friday, Friday, January 12th. Welcome. Come one, come all. Today is uh, a beautiful day here in Los Angeles, weather-wise. Sunny. It's freezing cold in the mornings. It's 32 degrees in my car when I when I take the boys to school in the mornings at like 7. And... um. You know, of course, my boys are shocked why our pool is not frozen solid because it's 32 degrees. That's the freezing temperature, you know, but uh, I don't know. I don't know how these things work. I would imagine it has to be like under like negative 30 for a whole pool to freeze. But you guys tell me I'm a L.A. born and raised, not really a cold weather type of gal. Ah, welcome to the show. You guys uh, had such a great show yesterday with Brooke Ashley. How great is she? Like how? entertaining, how beautiful and how fun and just smart she was. We had such a good dialogue back and forth about Beverly Hills, Miami, all the other housewife shows. So thank you so much for all you new subscribers and new people that found me through Brooke and I'll be on her show. I'm sure um, at some point soon. I really like kept thinking about Beverly Hills yesterday. And we'll, we'll touch on it because I have a few different stories to talk about before we get into Southern Charm today, which is, whew, it's going to be um, quite a conversation because that was an amazing, an amazing episode of The Reunion. I just want to say one thing really fast before we get into the show. I want to talk about um, some behind the scenes business stuff. Number one, a lot of you guys heard me talk about how I help you strategize starting your own podcast or YouTube. And I've gotten a lot of emails. A lot of you guys have emailed me. So if you're waiting on an email back and I haven't responded, I will be going through that this week. I'm just trying to kind of strategize my schedule because I'm taking on some new clients. I just want to make sure I'm not overdoing it. And then, um, secondly, secondly, oh, the merch, you guys are buying my merch. I'm getting my emails every day that you guys are purchasing stuff like the Daily Doser in my Bravo era. I love that you guys are um, loving it. And I think I'm going to add something. I'm going to add a couple designs. I really feel like we got to get name them and we got to get receipts, proof, timeline, screenshots. I mean, how will we ever move on from receipts, proof, timeline, screenshots? And it was not just the way that Heather Gay said it in that reunion episode. It was the sound effects that the Bravo editors are just mm, magnifique the way that they did it, right? Receipt, it's like boom, 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 boom. It was so freaking good. Oh, I love it, I love it, I love it. 
Um, before we get into the show, of course, I just want to shout out the last day of Kitsch being the sponsor of Daily Dose of Donna this week. Kitsch is an amazing, amazing hair care and skincare game. Um, the, the cool thing about Kitsch is that you can really get a lot of, you know, awesome products. Like I said, I'm really obsessed with their pillows because of the wrinkle factor. I think that if you're a side sleeper or a stomach sleeper, like you're going to age faster. That's just the truth. Your face will age faster because all that pressure plus the sweat, plus the wrinkles, whatever. So you might as well try to at least get a pillow that in that, you know, minimizes any of that. So of course they have their satin pillowcases. They have their time-saving towels, which I'm always in a rush in the morning. So I love those time-saving towels. You just want to make sure that no matter what your budget is, you're going to find something you love either for yourself or for a Valentine's Day gift. This is like a perfect gift for a teacher, for your daughters, or for a best friend. Uh, make sure to get 30% off at Kitsch dot com slash Donna. That's right. 30% off anything and everything at my kitsch. That's K-I-T-S-C-H dot com slash Donna. One more time, my kitsch dot com slash Donna. And remember, Donna is D-A-N-A for 30% off your order. Thanks, Kitsch. I'm using you. It's, kitsch is the one thing that we're allowed to use. You know, you can you can't use and abuse people, but you can use Kitsch all you want. Really quickly, let's talk about Beverly Hills. Just like another thought. Now, actually, I'm going to talk. I'm doing my Patreon later today, so I will talk more about it there. Actually, you know what? That's what I'm going to do because we already talked about Beverly Hills yesterday. I'll go into some deeper thoughts about the Mauricio of it. And because um, I've just been thinking about it a lot about, you know, Mauricio not being at that event for Kyle and what that meant and how obviously like there's never there's not anything more obvious in a ending of a friendship or relationship than that right? So we'll talk about that, of course, a little bit more soon. Um, yeah. Okay. A couple of things that just popped up in the news today. Are you guys, let me find them because I, I sent them to myself. You know how I do. You know how I do. All right. We have to just talk about this. Are you guys following at all the Amy Robach, TJ Holmes? podcast. Remember that in, in, I talked about this at, um, when there, when the podcast dropped for the first time, I want to say it was like around November, maybe, maybe it was December. And I listened to it. I listened to that first episode and I actually found some redeeming qualities in them. You guys did not. I was talking about them in a positive light saying, you know, I like that they're just kind of sharing their stories and their experience going through this. But you guys absolutely did not agree. <laughs> For the most part, you guys hate TJ and Amy. That's just what I noticed over here. A lot of you felt like they weren't taking accountability. A lot of you felt like they were kind of skirting their real issues. Then, of course, we found out that both TJ's ex wife and Amy's ex husband, Andrew Shu, Melrose Place, um, got together. I don't even know if that's a real thing or not. But I will say, I saw an article about them from this last episode that they did. I'm not listening to it. No offense. I'm just not. I just don't have, I don't think I have the time to like add another podcast in the mix because I do this every day. But it basically is talking about dry January. And tell me right now in the comments if you're doing dry January. You guys know I am doing dry January. Where are we? January 12th. I've actually not had a drink in, let me think how long it's been. This weekend will be five weeks. 
35 days on Saturday or Sunday. That's pretty exciting for me. As someone that used to drink only probably two, maybe three days a week, but mostly just two, but every weekend, right? So that's kind of a big deal for me. But anyway, dry January, I am definitely doing it. And, um, and so are they. But this what I what I thought was interesting, because in their first podcast episode, they were talking about how the day that it all kind of came out and how TJ um, fell into like a deep spiral depression. And he was laying in the bed and he was, um, you know, like in his house, he wasn't picking up the phone, I think was the story. And she ended up going to his house because she was worried about him. And he was basically laying on the couch, completely obliterated, hammered, drunk. He had been drinking since the early morning. And, you know, you see this in a lot of movies. This is giving a lot of like a star is born or leaving Las Vegas vibes where when people have a problem and then they struggle and they're going through something and then they just, you know, drink their faces off, which we're going to talk about alcohol a lot today because of the Shep of it all in Southern Charm. So don't worry, we'll get there. But I've personally never been luckily, thank God, in a position like that, because I don't lean on alcohol, in my opinion, from what I think. I think I lean on it for sure, but I don't lean on alcohol to get through sad times. Like I go to alcohol as a celebrate celebratory experience. That's how I've used alcohol in the past, but I do think I've overused alcohol many times, maybe to mask some deep seated issues that I haven't, that I'm like trying to work through right now, which is why a lot of what you're figuring out how I'm off. And I'll like, again, I hate to say this, but again, I, I talk more personal stuff over on Patreon. So I'll talk more about that there. But, um, but anyway, so I never have had those feelings where I start drinking in the morning and can't stop because I'm depressed. Um, but TJ was saying that sometimes in la the last year when he was going through this experiences, he would easily go through, get this, 18 drinks on a daily basis. Can we just try to like imagine what that looks like? 18, right? Um, so 18, whether that's 18 shots, 18 glasses of wine, 18 beers, 18 drinks. He said that it was reminiscent of the early days of COVID. A lot of people started to drink heavily during that. He says, I didn't have a job to go to and I was away from a lot of friends and family. What did I do? I drank a lot, a lot more than I ever have. I don't think I've ever gone a full day where I drink every single day. And that was 2023 for me. So he's obviously recognizing that he was using it to, um, and both she and him said that while she was consistently drinking, she wasn't getting wasted or drunk, but rather aiming to change her mood as she forged through a difficult time frame. It was about keeping a buzz going or keeping a heightened state of mind during an anxious year. It's interesting that they're being honest about it. And I like it that they're being honest. I always find it really, um, like, like we'll talk about Shep, like to be able to talk openly about your relationship with a substance or anything that's kind of like a negative feeling for yourself. Um, it, I think anytime you talk about that kind of stuff, it really is such a vulnerable state, especially when you're on such a large stage, like Vanita said about Shep last night, like to be on a Bravo reunion or on a podcast where you know it's going to get picked up by Daily Mail and to talk about this. I think it's really, really brave. 
And I would never, ever judge someone for sharing like their deepest, darkest times if it shows that they are recognizing the problem and wanting to remedy the issue. Not to say that TJ has to ever cut out drinking completely, but the fact that he's aware that that was wrong and a bad place to be, I think is half the battle, right? And I'm not an addiction expert at all. I don't know a lot about it other than what I've gone through just as a daughter of one, but I don't, you know, it will be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what, what happens. And I think I applaud bravery like that. Cause I, I bet a lot of people that watch them or listen to them or see this article or even listen to daily dose are maybe in similar boats, you know, going through a really tough time and leaning too heavily on a substance or on a, you know, sugar or on, you know, a person, like whatever it is, something negative, right? I just lean on housewives. I literally lean on Bravo right now. Bravo is my new addiction. I've transferred any sort of need, want, or craving for alcohol onto Bravo. Is that a problem? Do you think... (laughs) Do you think that there should be some sort of support group? Like, hi, my name is Donna and I'm I'm a Bravaholic. And how many, and it will be all of BravoCon. All of BravoCon will be, a, will be like, hi, Donna. <laughs> it's so good. Okay. Another story, uh, uh, you know, a Bravo related story is about Lisa Vanderpump. Did you guys hear this? Lisa Vanderpump and husband Ken Todd uh, sued for wrongful termination by Tom Tom bartenders. Now, you guys remember Tom Tom is the restaurant bar that they own right next to um, or around the corner from Sir. It used to be near on the same street as Pump on Santa Monica Boulevard. It's the one that they own with Schwartzy and Sandoval. Um, And it says that they're being sued for wrongful termination by former bartenders. According to the documents obtained by the blast, I've never heard of that, on Thursday, the employees who worked for the couple from May until December 2022 claimed that they were terminated in retaliation for complaining about unsavory working conditions. One former employee further claims that they blacklisted him by defaming him to future employers. The individual even alleges that the pair um, published false statements and comments to numerous third parties regarding his profession, reputation, and character. The ex-employee feels that the rumors and false, the rumors and the nastiness were made with actual malice per the documents. The workers claim that TomTom had unsafe work conditions and that there were sewage and backup in the employee break and locker room. The suit elaborates during this period, the former bartenders experienced rampant violations of California labor laws, harassment, and unsafe working conditions. Reps for Vanderpump and Todd didn't immediately respond to page six's request for comment. Um, So we don't really know what's going to happen over there, but... Listen, I've never been a bartender. I have worked in like restaurant type establishments, but I've never been to a bartender. So I don't know like what's normal and what's not in the back of a bar. I would imagine some dive type bars are gross back there. Don't you kind of find it funny now thinking about it? Do you remember that that season where Tom Tom had just opened and James Kennedy was the DJ, right? For Tom Tom. And he was like letting, like Lisa was letting him leave Sir to go DJ at Tom Tom. And remember they put him like upstairs in some sort of like closet and he had like just like a little window that he could look over into the downstairs and he was sitting on toilet paper. 
To me, that feels like a health violation. Like, why are you, why is the DJ sitting on the thing that's going to go wipe me down there? You know, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just throwing something out. Like maybe there was a storage issue there. Maybe they really didn't have good, you know, things, sanitary habits. Now I would imagine there's a lot of worker type comp lawyers and attorneys out there that would do this like a pro bono for an employee because they think they could probably make a ton of money. And I would imagine most likely they will settle with Lisa and Ken because why would Lisa and Ken want to fight this, right? Like just like let them be happy and move on unless they're getting sued by a ton of people. Dana, I imagine your name is Dana and not Donna, asks, Donna, have you been to any of those restaurants? Well, if you followed the show for a long time over during the summer, Lance and I um, went to TomTom Pump was already closed. We went to Tom Tom and I've been to Sir before a few times. I've been to Sir like even before Sir was on Vanderpump. And then I've been on there, been there a couple times since. I haven't been there like in the last five years, at least, maybe eight years. I don't even know. A long time. Um, but yes, I have been to Tom Tom. I have not been to Schwartz and Sandy's. I have no interest whatsoever. But you guys, I don't go out that much. Like I go out to restaurants, local restaurants, usually like once in a while, I'll go to Craig's even around like across the, you know, over the hill, but I'm not going out like to bars often, you know, just given my life, like, you know, I'll go to a restaurant that has a bar. So I guess Tom Tom is that, but yes, we did go to Tom Tom once. I had a long conversation with, um, Max, Lisa's son, who was the manager of Tom Tom. And he was so kind and so great. Really, really nice to me. So it was fun. Okay. Uh, we'll see what happens there with Lisa and Ken jacuzzi. The jacuzzi. Um, I wonder if there's any stories other than that, or should we go just straight for the good old Southern charm? Because honestly, last night's reunion really, really was exciting, wasn't it? Um yeah, the other stories are just kind of like silly little things. Okay. Southern Charm reunion blew me away for a first part of a reunion. Usually, the first part of the reunion, i.e. Salt Lake City, is not like anything that special. Although I really like the Salt Lake City first part of the reunion. But you guys, a lot of you guys didn't think it was special. But I will say that Southern Charm reunion part one I thought was fantastic. All right, let's get, let's get our thoughts in. Um, I like seeing them all get ready every time. Don't you? Don't you just love seeing the behind the scenes? Okay. Let's start with looks. And I try really hard to like be nice. Okay. Um, on the left side of Andy, we've got Shep. Shep matched the couch. He's in a velour like velvet. I don't even know what it's called. Not velour. Like it's a velvet suit. Okay. Shep is not a good looking guy, in my opinion. I think I can understand why people thought he was good looking season one of the show, maybe compared to Thomas Ravenel. But Shep, to me, I think he's just been really, really busted after years and years of drinking heavily, right? To me and his teeth, like he just looks tired. Not for me, right? Oh, okay, whatever. Olivia, guys, you know, I'm not a huge Olivia fan. I thought she had a, an awful dress. I'm trying really hard to be nice, but she looked like a box. She's so skinny.
skinny. And I almost feel like she, and I don't want to like um, judge her on this, but you know, maybe through grief or whatever, she's always been very, very, very skinny, like throughout the entire run of the show. But doesn't, maybe it was the way that the dress was sitting on her. She looked like she was swallowed by her dress. I didn't like the cut of her dress. I didn't think she looked, um, I've seen her look better in outfits. Madison, on the other hand, is, as Andy said, va 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 voom like gorgeous Marilyn Monroe. She has this amazing short haircut. It makes me want to cut my hair again, but she's got nice thick hair, which I don't. She looks so beautiful. I just love Madison. I just think she's really got, like, she's really come out of this looking great. Um, then we had JT. Someone posted on the Facebook group today that JT, every time JT talks, it reminds him of a, a barking chihuahua. It kind of was that last night. JT bugs, y'all. I I liked him during the show, the season at the end, but last night annoyed me. Like it's, it's too much too soon. Exactly what Andy said. He's like, this is minute one of the reunion. Literally. He's like, Hey JT, how are you? He's like, I'm here to screw Austin over. It's like too much. Um, and then Leva, who is there literally like a Lisa Vanderpump because, and it's weird because she's not their boss. So it's like, why is she still on the show? She doesn't really do anything on the show except be an, an ear to people. And I wish that they just removed her from the show and just kept her on Southern Hospitality. But I think the reason they keep her is because of Southern Hospitality, right? Like there's got to be some sort of connection there that they maybe in her contract where she's like, I still want to be on Southern Charm if you want Southern Hospitality. I don't know. Um, or it's just like in-house promotion for Republic in that restaurant. Do you watch Southern Hospitality? Because that, you know, I, I asked on the Facebook group last night about watching a new show to keep me happy right now. And a lot of you guys said, I said Shit's Creek. I've started and not been able to finish season one. And you guys said, go for it. So I watched episode 10 and 11 of season one of Shit's Creek last night. So I'm in it. I'm going to finish season uh, Shit's Creek. But do I need to watch Southern Hospitality is the question. I've watched maybe the first two episodes of the first season. Um, but Leva is beautiful. She really does look great. And she's always a very kind of um, grounded, like she always has like a good solid response. Now on the other side of the couch, we'll start at Vanita. Listen, I think Vanita is beautiful. Um, she's got, she's got fashion choices that like, you know, she's got like a look. She, she looks beautiful with her red lips. Like she has a stunning smile. Um, so she nailed the look. Uh, Austin. Austin looked puffy as all, right? Austin's face is just really rounded up since the show started. Austin is like, I struggle with Austin. I really do. Um, Taylor looked to me gorgeous. Like for Taylor, because Taylor, remember, if you really like, I think Taylor's a naturally pretty person, but I think she really, really like has upped her lip fillers, maybe, or makeup and lashes. She's she definitely has like upped her glam game since she started on the show. And I do think she's beautiful. I really do. She didn't look very uh mentally stable or happy, but she looked beautiful. And then we have to save the best for last. And that is my man, Craig. And Craig Conover, you guys, Craig Conover. Have we ever seen a glow up on the outside and inside like Craig Conover on a Bravo show? Not to this day. 
Not to this day have we seen anything like that, especially with a man. Craig started Southern Charm, and a lot of you guys have rewatched recently, as like this parting, wasted, Adderall-taking, loser-type guy that didn't have a job, was lazy, didn't know what he wanted to do with his life, failed loss, like failed his law career, like just kind of a lost puppy. To now, he's in a serious relationship with one of the most stunning, successful women on Bravo and like in that realm, right? He... It seems to me like he said he was pretty much done with drinking, or at least he's slowed down his drinking tremendously. He runs Sewing Down South, which is, they call it the pillow company, but it's more than just pillows. And he has, I think he said 30 employees with healthcare and everything. He's got, he's in Kroger stores, which is like Ralph's over here in Los Angeles. I don't know if you guys have different names for it. Um, and he has... Um, like warehouses and locate. I mean, this guy is killing it. He also, he and Austin have pillows and beer. They're very popular podcasts where they're going on tour. Some of you guys saw him last night. So Craig, and not only that, he has such a good head on his shoulders, minus a couple of his conspiracies, because I actually think pandas are real, but he's the most well-spoken man on Bravo. He knows exactly like how to produce this show and keep it moving. He knows how to like stand up for women and the people that were wronged. He knows how to like find the issue. He is so perfectly fit for this show. And everything he said last night kind of just really tracked. I don't know about you guys, but that's how I felt. So we started, you know, we talked to a couple of different characters, but in yesterday's episode, we, we focused a lot on, at first we focused on Madison and we focused on Madison's relationship with Austin now and also her new relationship with her husband. It seems to me like she's real happy. She's really, really happy and she's going, she's doing well with her husband. I think they have a great setup. I'm sorry, what do you guys think that that's not a good setup where your husband or your spouse is gone three days a week and then there four days a week? I don't think that that's a bad, um, I don't know. I don't think that that's a bad setup for a marriage. I think it's actually kind of nice to have some space sometimes just to kind of like miss each other a little bit. Um, but then when they brought up her son, and listen, we've talked about this on the show before, but boy mom here, if anyone puts their damn hands on my son and he walks in as cute and as sweet as her son is and comes in like this, with a sad face, with his arms open, like, I need a hug. Forget it. And you know, Andy, he was like, I'm going to get emotional right now because he started to like, because he's a boy dad, right? He has got kids. Once you have kids, all bets are off when it comes to this stuff. And Madison, I was said, I was crying for two reasons. I was crying for him. And I was crying for the thoughts that were going through my head, which was probably like, let me find this child and show him what's up. Have you ever dealt with that, by the way? Have you ever dealt with your kid getting not just bullied? We've all kind of been through a little bit of that, I think. But have you ever gone through a period where your kid comes in the house after getting beat up? Like that would be way, 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 way too far for me. Way too far for me. Anyway. Um, of course, we went through a little bit of a Madison-Austin situation because Madison and Austin – 
Although I did find a lot of times in this season that they were able to have like normal conversations. And I almost felt like she was treating him a little bit like a little brother, like teaching him like, hey, this is not what you do or this is what you should do. But they still have a lot of frustration for each other. And it was brought up how Austin said to Madison in in their um, – where were they on that trip now that I can't remember? Where did they go that they were gone forever? Was it Bahamas? Jamaica. They were in Jamaica, right? Um, where Madison said, where Austin like drunkenly said, Madison's a bored housewife. Listen, Austin's like, number one, I was drunk. I do believe that a lot of us say and do things when we're drunk that are totally exaggerations of who we are. And I don't believe that theory of like the truth comes out when you're drunk. I don't, I've seen too much and I've done too much that I don't believe the story is true. However, I, um, or that theory is true. However, Austin has a lot of deep seated, probably feelings towards Madison. Like maybe there's a part of Madison that reminds him of what he could have had, what he lost, what his life could have been. Um, I don't think he seriously has feelings for Madison anymore, but like I think it's always unhealthy to hang out with an ex in most cases, right? And she's living her best life and she's like moved on to this great, you know, greener pastures and he's still like fighting with a bucket hat over did he kiss or did he not kiss? Um, he was mentioning that, you know, he was really going through a tough time on that trip and a lot was happening and a lot was going on and he was really struggling with that. So whatever. Austin's just like, he kind of can't do any right. Let's be honest. Like Austin is just, even when he apologized, even, even when he acts like nice, it's always followed by something bad. And JT could not stop letting him know that. And it was annoying for me. Like they were kind of laughing at him, Leva and Madison, every time he spoke, but JT was like over the top. It's kind of over the top. It's like he's trying either really too hard to get some airtime, he's trying too hard to be on the show, or he's too bitter that Taylor never chose him and chose Austin. Not chose, but like hooked up with Austin and not him. I also find it a little red flag-like when one person constantly says, I'm a good person. I'm a good guy. I'm the good guy. I'm a good person. You know what I mean? Like it bugs me a little bit. So I'm not really sure. if um, I, I can't decide if I like JT or not coming off a little bit better. Um, okay. Let's start talking a little bit about the conversation about, oh, they brought up Craig, of course, and they talked about Paige and Craig. And Andy asked, based on a viewer question, how many of you believe that Craig that page moves to Charleston and only about two or three people raise their hand. I'm asking you guys here in the comments, how many of you believe that Paige will actually move to Charleston? I think yes, but I don't think it happens until way after the wedding. I think they get, they still get engaged as long distance. They get married as long distance. And when I say long distance, I think they're kind of, they'll see each other every week, but maybe a couple of days in Charleston, a couple of days in New York, et cetera. And then when they finally decide to have kids, if they do, maybe Paige decides that she's going to move to Charleston. And here's my guess and put it in writing. Here's my prediction. Okay. January 12th, 2024. I think that if they do get married down the line and have kids, uh, Paige's family moves to Charleston as well. That's what I think. Now, a lot of you guys think Craig can move, but like, where are they going to move? They're going to move to New York to have a family. That's where Paige wants to be. Now, they, I don't know where Paige's family lives. I imagine it's somewhere upstate New York or just outside or Jersey or something along mm -hmm. those lines. But 
I'll have to see. I have no idea right now, but I do think that Paige and Craig are going the long distance and uh, going the distance, the long distance. That's a good pun. Going the distance. And also, I want to say that I believe, I strongly believe that if Paige watched reunion number one last night and left Craig or let Craig leave her, she'd be making the biggest mistake of all time. Like, I don't know if there's a more eligible person for Paige. He's successful. He loves her. He seems like a good guy. I don't really understand what else she's looking for, if not Craig, right? Um, okay. So they were talking a little bit about relationships, about Paige, about Shep kind of giving Craig a hard time that Paige doesn't really exist. And he straight up said, you know, I don't believe that um, it's healthy to have a relationship on camera. And it makes sense that Craig is kind of like keeping Paige a little bit away for that reason. But he's kind of almost skirting issues by not putting it all out there. And I think all of it is true. I think that um, having a relationship on camera has got to be the most like difficult thing ever. I also think Paige and Craig are very much on camera. Like they have two shows that they're on together. Basically we saw them in the summer and then we see them in the fall. Like we see them everywhere. Right. So I don't know. I think that they're very, uh, they have shown us a lot of it. Maybe not the real, real, but they show us a lot of their, maybe they don't fight a lot. Maybe Craig and Paige just don't fight a lot. And what we're seeing is really what they are. Um, the Shep and Taylor of it all. Okay. Shep starts talking about Taylor a few times throughout the episode. He starts talking about his love for her. He starts talking about how he feels he made a mistake. And he also mentions that if he wasn't on this show, he would probably marry her and have married her and been together. I always think about this. Shep is, that made me so sad. I never thought I would have such sympathy or empathy for Shep. But seeing him yesterday with this admission showed to me what, like how deep this problem really is for him. And he's not really, as as of that filming, I don't know when they filmed it, but as of the filming of that reunion, I don't think he's really fully come to terms with what a bad problem he has. So Shep, just to give you some background, Shep is a partier. He always has been. I remember Teddy Mellencamp saying that when they grew up in high school, they would always be the partiers, right? Now, Shep is in his 40s, I would imagine. Do you guys know his age? I don't know if off the top of my head. Shep is in his 40s. And so I would imagine that Shep is the kind of guy that's not like, you know, a casual drinker on the weekends. I have a feeling that it's a lot of that Charleston, South Carolina, South um, culture is like heavily drink drinkers, all of them. Look at Patricia. She drinks in every scene that she's in. Um, I think there's a lot of drinking going on anyway. Plus, then you have the show. But I think I, I think someone like Chef is drinking with or without a camera. I don't think it's for the show. It's not like he only ups his drinking during filming. I have a feeling he's probably drinking every single day. Um, and I have a feeling also that he's probably drinking to excess, right? He's getting hammered. And we heard that at BravoCon this year, which was in November. Oh yeah. So it must've been after November that they filmed this. They probably filmed it in December or maybe late November. We know that at BravoCon, we heard from a variety of people that Shep was a mess 
that he was yelling at people, that he was like falling over. He was sitting at casinos and yelling at the the blackjack people. We heard that from um, Jeff Lewis live from Paige. We heard that he was in the elevator being a dick. Like apparently Shep was like kind of going through Vegas, just like hot mess express. And now we're finding it. Oh, he's 44. Thank you. Now we're finding out that it was a serious problem and that Andy Cohen recognized it. That Shep was so drunk for three straight days at BravoCon that he basically blacked out the entire week, weekend, right? So he was probably waking up and drinking mimosas or shots of tequila, I don't know, until nighttime. And what I learned about blacking out, this is some of the research I've done. What I learned about blacking out, actually, you know who I heard this from? The comedian Nikki Glazer, she was on Joe Rogan, and it, this came up on my TikTok a few months back, where basically she said that the process of blacking out for, for drinkers is that you black out a lot easier the more you're drinking, which seems strange, right? You would think the more you drink, you can handle it more, like your tolerance builds. But actually, she said that if you're black, if you're always drinking to blackout drunk, you will your brain basically shuts down a lot faster the more you're doing it, right? It's such an interesting, like, I don't know the science behind it. I have no idea. But I know that most likely he didn't even have to drink that much to get to that place, if that's the case, right? Because he's probably constantly getting to that place. And how much shame do you feel when you wake up the next day or on a stage like this at Bravo, like after BravoCon to find out that you acted horrendously multiple times, you had to be basically like kept your shit together by Austin. Austin was like the, the sober one in the friendship, which is crazy and was helping him kind of like stay presentable and your boss and potentially your full employers could possibly at that point say you have a problem and we are not, you're not. Like, we can't keep you on the show. That has got to be such a wake-up call for Shep. Not to mention years and years and years of seeing himself act like a dick when he drinks, right? And now all of a sudden he's sitting there and he told Andy before the show, he said, I do want to have like a mea culpa and, and, and speak. And he did. And he kind of put it out there like, I recognize that I am going down a bad path and I'm drinking too much and I want to definitely cut it down. I, I definitely want to like, I'm realizing and I want to stop. Now this is, he didn't say I want to stop, but I want to change that behavior. Notice in his verbiage, he never said, I am an alcoholic. He never said, I am I need to stop drinking. He never said, I'm going to rehab. Okay, he never said any of that. Andy specifically said, what does that mean for you? And he said, I am no longer drinking liquor or taking shots. I'm drinking wine and beer or just beer. I don't even know what he said. I will say this. Sometimes, like in Craig's case, cutting out liquor because we remember that, right? Do you remember that a few seasons ago? He cut out liquor, but he stayed on the wine and beer. Sometimes if you can do that and you can manage it, you start to realize like you don't, I don't know. I I, I don't really know exactly how Craig's brain kind of went from the heavy drinking and partying to just wine and beer to not really drinking and partying at all right now. He said that he's got, you know, 
it's important for him to have a, a good physique and his body and also like his career and everything. And Leva said, you will get to a place, you'll have to get to a place where you realize that the thing that you want is more important than the partying night. Like if you want your career to go off, if you want your relationship to work, if you want your family to be good, it's more important than the parting every night. And then you figure out like, is there a way that I can do this in moderation or is that even not an option for me? And he said, you know, Shep did make me sad when he said like, I woke up and I realized you have your pillow company. You guys have your podcast. What am I doing with my life? What's my purpose? Did I not get emotional? I got emotional. I got emotional to say that out loud, to be Shep and say, what's my purpose? Because Shep is the ultimate guy who never grew up. He's got that Peter Pan syndrome, right? It's giving, um, what's his name from Can't Hardly Wait? The one that like the teenage kind of like party dude who hooks up with um, Jennifer Coolidge. No, 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 no. I'm saying it wrong. Jennifer Coolidge's son on Can't Hardly Wait. He was like the the hot dude, the party dude. That's literally what it's giving. It's like the guy that never grew up and still thinks we're in high school and still wants a party like we're in high school, you know? It's like old school or something. Stifler! That's right, right? Not the dorky, like skinny guy. Not DJ Squalls or whatever his name was. Stifler. Okay, so it's so interesting. And yeah, Shep has money. So when you have money and you come from money and you're not scared about how am I going to pay my bills, I think you're put in a position where you feel like, oh, I can, you know, I can afford, I can afford to like party my face off because I'm not scared about will I be able to afford my house. But that doesn't give you purpose. Partying and money does not give you any purpose, right? Family does, business does, philanthropy does, putting smiles on people's faces does, like all those things. So Seth, Seth. I keep saying Seth, Shep, oh, that's because, okay. Shep recognizes that he has a problem, but he doesn't recognize enough to say, I have a problem. Does that make sense? Now, Craig and Austin's reaction to this lunch that he put together to kind of tell everyone and, and apologize for his behavior was very interesting. Apparently, Craig is sick of hearing this, meaning he hasn't said this before, or he said this before, maybe not on a grand scale like this, maybe not on a TV show, but he definitely has said it to his friends. And Craig is feeling at this place, I can no longer be a passenger in your reckless life. This ends going off a cliff, meaning if you continue where you're going, like your life will be over. You're going to lose everything, whether you actually lose your life, but you'll, you'll lose your health, your friends, your money, your everything, your job. And yes, um, Josh just said his doctor told him about his liver enzymes many years, seasons ago. You know, when I had Brav Bros on the show, I was talking to Steele and, you know, Steele is a sober by choice now, a sober man um, because he had cirrhosis. That's liver failure at 26 years old. And I've heard of this from many people in our age range, in that 40 and under age range who have cirrhosis of the liver. 
And when you're in a position like that where you need a liver transplant, like then you're on the verge of death, right? So I hope, and I, I went to Shep's profile last night because I'm kind of curious. I'm like, is Seth, I've got to stop doing that. Shep, is Shep still single, you know? And uh, I'm mean, single. Is, is Shep still sober or like not drinking? And he's not posting any stories. I see a lot from like January 1st where he's hanging out with some friends or whatever and doing cold plunging. Um, there's not really an indication if he's if he's slowed down on the drinking or not. I don't know. I don't know. On November, in November, he posted a picture with a company called Epic Western and he's getting sponsored by them and it's alcohol drinks. But that was November. That was right after BravoCon. So I don't know specifically um, where he is now in that journey. I don't know if you guys do. Um, yeah. Oh, Josh, sending you love. So it's very, it's a, it's a very kind of tragic situation for Shep. And I really hope that this wakes him up. Um, but I also don't think he will, it will. Think you have to decide. Well, maybe it will. I don't know. Who am I to say, right? Who am I to say? Like Shannon's still drinking. Shannon Bedore, from what we've heard. I don't think she's drinking as much, but I think she's still drinking. So like that didn't stop her. I don't know. You guys, I don't know. All I know, it was the first time I felt like actually sad for Shep. And then of course we did have to cover and talk about Taylor. And Taylor, who straight up was like, I'm wearing my scarlet letter. Listen, this is going to be something we're going to disagree about. I already know it because I posted about it in my Facebook group. And I know you guys have strong opinions. Some of you agree. Some of you don't. Taylor effed up. Taylor lied about the F up. Taylor has since apologized. Has she wanted to be forgiven faster than Olivia is ready to forgive her? Yes. Has she get it, gotten a little bit like victim behavior about, I've apologized enough, move on? Yes. But Taylor did not deserve or does not deserve the punishment for the crime that she has committed, in my opinion. Sorry, I don't believe that Taylor deserves this national public lashing and shaming for kissing Austin. Like what is happening? Okay. Um, it was a tangled web of lies. They were trying to protect each other. That's the worst it is. But like, let's move on. I don't know why Olivia is hell bent on taking down Taylor. I think she got so triggered by Taylor's wanting to move on from it. And Olivia was going through something really tragic in her own personal life. And then Taylor said that thing at, in Jamaica about like your brother and you know how close I am with my brother because your brother, which really upset Olivia, which then led to Taylor talk about her and Olivia heard it. But like enough, Olivia, what are we doing? And by the way, you guys, a lot of you said she did more than kiss. So what if they did? What if they actually had sex? Why are we so, like, why are we so hell-bent on making Taylor's life horrendous? Like, she is doing what she's supposed to do, which is say, I'm sorry. 
you're right. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Olivia doesn't have to be her friend ever again. But Olivia should really stand back and calm down on her anger towards Taylor. It's it's odd to me. Olivia is coming off so unlikable with it all, too. Like, I don't feel bad for Olivia at all, and that's probably not the goal here. The goal is for us to feel bad for Olivia. I felt bad for her with her brother, absolutely. And I felt bad for her for the first time she was mad at Taylor, or the first episode. But this is 18 episodes and months later, and we're still so mad? Obviously, Taylor's judgment was off. She was sending, you know... Inexpl- like explicit pictures and videos and texts to Whitney. She was doing things probably under a lot of alcohol, a lot of stress, and just trying to figure herself out. Like, let's like, let's give a little bit of grace, guys. I don't know. It feels like too much, too much for what it is. But that's just where I am. <laughs> um. Anyway. Um, okay. So I personally feel like, um, it's a good episode. I'm excited to continue watching it. Uh, I'm interested to see what happens with Shep and Craig can do no wrong. And that's where I'm going to leave y'all. Um, I, I hope you guys understand, uh, my feelings on the Taylor thing, but maybe you guys know more than me. A lot of you don't think she was apologetic. A lot of people think that there was more going on. I truly think it's possible to understand that that person will not be your friend without continuing to make them just like dig in the dirt. I don't know. At some point you got to just say, okay, okay, enough. Just like I felt about Raquel, by the way, guys. And just like I felt about Sandoval. Yes. I uh, The reason why is because I just feel like at some point when someone is apologetic and trying to move forward and trying to make up for their past, and especially in a public atmosphere like that, it doesn't do any more to continue to take them down. You know what I mean? It's like, at some point, you got to you gotta just say, okay, like, let sleeping dogs lie. I don't know. Anyway, all right, you guys. I hope you have a good weekend, and I will talk to you on Monday. Yes, I'll do an episode. It's Martin Luther King Day, but I'm still here. I will do an episode on Monday. And um, I hope you guys have an amazing weekend. Yes, Traders Season 2 starts tonight. That's exciting. And a couple other things. All right, I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.